0: So, we're fundamentally damaged. <laughs> um, Fifty years ago, there was um, a man named Walt Kelly, and he rephrased um, a, a famous historical statement. This his, historical statement is, we have met the enemy, and he is ours. And he rephrased it this way in his comic strip, Pogo. If you're as old as me, you remember, maybe. We have met the enemy, and he is us. The problem with the human race is not the Democrats or the Republicans. We all have this problem within us that came from the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, Satan said to Adam and Eve, Did God really say that, you can't, that the day you eat of this tree you'll die? And Eve said, No, not only that, if we touch it, we die. And boom, legalism was born into the world. And they decided at that point to not take God's direction. They decided to go their own way. They decided to be the captain of their own ship. They decided that they would control their own destiny. And you and I have been, have been plagued by this need for control ever since. Every argument that you or I have ever had, has had an issue. But in the background, there's been the control problem. This is the problem that we as human beings have. We have met the enemy and he is us. We're fundamentally damaged. This is eloquently described in the book of Isaiah where God says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And then, maybe the most glorious phrase in the entire Old Testament, he has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's a a wonderful thing to have our need for control our need not to follow God's directions the penalty of that laid on Jesus Christ Um, I've got my notes mixed up here (laughs) I need control (laughs) when we understand that Christ died for our sins and that he rose again to show that all of what he said was true we understand that we need to start to follow Him. And when we do that, He pries this thing that we have within us, this need to control, this need not to follow the directions of God. He starts prying that out of our hands. And that's what's called the new birth. We have three gifts that God gives us in this passage that we read. First of all, there is the new birth, then there is an inheritance, and then there is a shield so when God starts to take this control thing out of our lives and replace it with his control the process is called salvation in the scripture salvation is thought of in three ways it's thought of as a past event for by grace you have been saved through faith it's also thought of as a future event If you look at verse 5, Peter says, he talks about the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. There's going to come a time, and I can't even believe that this is true, hardly. It's just so amazing. But you and I are going to share the holiness of God. Now, God's holiness is different than ours. God's holiness is innate. It's always been there our holiness is derived from him but we one day are going to have salvation finished in our lives when we see Christ when we get to heaven we're going to find nothing in our hearts that wants to control anything except we want to be controlled by God and it'll be absolutely spectacular and wonderful there's a third kind of salvation that um, that we have oh there's one uh, I'm not nervous. (laughs) I want to show you this slide that shows how much we want to control everything. So could I have the first slide? Please. Please. (laughs) Or maybe I'm not the only one that's nervous in this room. (laughs) I'll tell you what it says. It's, uh, oh, there it is, spread anarchy. And it's crossed out, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I like that. That's how we are. <laughs> we want control. And God prays that, starts to pry that out of, our, out of our hands. And what's happening right now is that God is involved in the process of salvation in our lives. Now, there's another word that expresses this too and to do this I have to show you my second slide and my third slide. My second slide is a picture of a Ferrari. There it is. (laughs) In last month in England a man walked into a Ferrari dealership, he plunked down two hundred and sixty thousand dollars and he walked out with a Ferrari and he drove it around for an hour on a rain slick road and then This happened to him. Now, look at that thing. Now, I got to tell you, the guy walked away, unbelievably, walked away with scratches and bruises. But you see, there needs to be a salvage job here. (laughs) Uh, I'm not even sure that could be salvageable, you know. But you see, what God is doing in your heart and my heart is he's taking that and making us into the men and women of God that he wants us to be. He's taking this and salvaging it into the into the Ferrari that the man bought. It's incredible what God is doing in our hearts, in our lives. Max Lucado says it this way. He says when the new birth comes to a person, God cracks open our chest, takes out our crusty, sinful heart, and replaces it with His. That's a wonderful picture of what Christ does. The message of the, message of the cross is foolishness to, to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are in the process of being saved, of salvage, it is the message, of, it is the word power of God. The second thing that God gives to us is an inheritance. Look with me at verse uh, 4. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Uh, We long for eternity. We really do. In in, uh, Germany, there's a church that was built in 1280 A.D., the roof of that church was done in copper. And it stood, the roof, without being refurbished, it stood until World War II when it was bombed. It would still be standing today if it hadn't been bombed. Now, why in the world do we do that kind of a thing? Why would a person of my age put a 50-year roof on his house? (laughs) People do sometimes. Why do they do that? Well, we long for eternity. We long for something that won't spoil, fade, or or perish. Uh, We want something that lasts forever. Um, C.S. Lewis said, "There's nothing in creation that can bear the weight of a soul. There's nothing in all of creation that can meet our need for eternity." We have this thing built into us. Anything that we have on earth that gives us pleasure soon fades away. And, you know, we build garages not to house cars, but to house all of the things that we thought were going to be great that are now in our garages. Once something makes us happy, we need the next thing. You know, I, this became abundantly clear, clear to me when I, was, uh, when I was a lot younger. When I was in high school, um, I bought a little box like this that played music. It wasn't even a stereo, but it played music, and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. But then I found out about component stereo, and pretty soon I had to have the next best thing, and that was big speakers and a lot of fancy stuff. I was coming to my apartment with another guy once, and I looked out the window, and I saw some people carrying some stereo stuff, and I said, look, they have the same stuff that I have. <laughs> well, it was the same stuff that I had. <laughs> oh, my. God teaches us a lot of things in strange ways. But, you know, uh, we, we want the next best thing. We're never satisfied. The Bible says that God has put eternity in our hearts our desire for eternity is there and that's why I have to tell you I like being in a churches with in a church that's noisy I've been in quiet churches you know part of the reason why love is such an important thing in our lives is because now this is part of it anyhow when you love somebody you touch the only eternal thing that there is on this earth and it's wonderful that's at least part of it ecclesiastes again god has put eternity in our hearts augustine said our hearts are restless until they find our rest in you we are not satisfied with anything in creation it doesn't satisfy Martin Luther. Now, this has been uh, attributed to Martin Luther, to Augustine. Uh, Here's the quote. When a man knocks on a brothel door, he's knocking on the door of God. What that means is that when a man knocks on a brothel door, he ain't going to find no satisfaction. The only place that we can find satisfaction is in something that's eternal relationships with human beings, and it's finally met in our relationship with God. There's a man, if you remember the great Chicago Bears team, um, a few years ago that won the championship, NFL championship, there was a man on that team called Mike Singletary, and he was maybe, by some uh, some people's lights, the greatest middle linebacker that's ever existed. He wrote a book called Singletary on, uh, on Singletary. And uh, what he said in that book was, why is it that professional athletes, when they hit the big time, when they've got all the money and fame and everything else that they could possibly want, why is it that they find that it's, not, that it's lacking, that it isn't there? He calls it destination sickness. He said when we have every possible physical thing that we want, we're still unsatisfied because we haven't found God. Our hearts seek for eternity. We seek for something that will never fade, spoil, or perish. I'm not going to have to paint my house in heaven. (laughs) Look at Romans chapter 8. Verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. There it is. We're not going to fade, spoil, or perish. Nothing is going to fade, spoil, or perish. We're going to be liberated from the bondage to to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Do you wonder? what it's going to be like when we get to heaven? Do you wonder what kind of bodies we're going to have? Look over at First Corinthians 15. This is so amazing. I can't even believe that this is going to be true. Paul is talking about putting a seed into the ground. He said when you take... Um, a piece of something that's all dried up and you put this little thing in, a, in the ground what comes out of the ground is spectacular it's much greater than that little tiny seed that you put into the ground uh, this is what he says and so it is with us in verse 42 so it will be with the resurrection of the dead the body that is planted into the ground that is put into the ground is perishable It's raised imperishable. That means that we're not going to have hay fever. We're not going to have sickness. We're not going to have death. There's going to be eternal life. Something that we have never physically experienced. But it's going to be there. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. Isn't that interesting that it's sown in dishonor and raised in glory. Uh, Think of famous verse in Romans all of sin and fallen short of what would you expect to come next all of sin and fallen short of God's perfection no all of sin and fallen short of God's glory when we get to heaven we're going to share the glory it's sown in dishonor is raised in glory it's sown in weakness it's raised in power it's sown in a natural body it's raised a spiritual body now, that last one, I don't really know it, what it means. I've never experienced a, f- a spiritual body. But we're not going to be limited by any physical limitation when we get to heaven. And that's an incredible thing. So we have this inheritance that is coming our way. And for that, I'm very thankful. Now, the third gift that God gives us back here in First Peter is a shield verse 5 who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time now you say how was Paul shielded by God Paul was beaten five times with a cat-of-nine-tails 39 lashes with, with a whip that was made out of leather with bits of glass and lead s- sewn into it so it ripped your body apart. He was beaten with rods three times. He was shep- ship- shipwrecked three times. And one of the sh- times when he was shipwrecked, he had to be a day and a night in the open ocean, clinging on to a piece of the broken up ship unless he was very good at treading water. He was stoned and left for dead. Now, how in the world did God shield Paul? That doesn't sound like a very good shield to me. And there are a lot of Christians who think that because God shields us, that we are going to be rich. We're not going to have any problems. We're not even going to get sick. But that's not what the scripture says. Look what the scripture says in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. What kind of shielding allows us to go through grief? What kind of shielding allowed my mom and my dad to die? Look at verse 7. This is the reason and this is the shielding that God gives us. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved to be genuine, and that may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You see, the purpose of God's shielding is not to keep us away from pain. That comes from living in a broken world we can't do anything about that it's going to happen to us all of us are going to go through a lot of what, it, what, of, what Paul, of what Peter says here is all kinds of trials the result in all kinds of grief but you see what God does for us and how God shields us is that he gives us the faith through whatever comes our way there is nothing in this world that can afflict you or me that God will not give us the faith to get through it that's the shield of God and that's God's great incredible gift to us he gives us this shield we suffer all kinds of grief all kinds of troubles but God gives us this wonderful shield that we have that keeps us from any problem um, once again i'm nervous ah there we go (laughs) c.s lewis again said pain is god's megaphone in the middle of our pain we are more than conquerors because god gives us the faith to get through it and when we get to heaven because of the trials that we're we've gone through it says that because, of the, because we get through these things by the faith that, and are shielded by God, that we're going to receive praise, honor, and glory. That's just incredible. It's a result, all of this is a result now of the new birth, of the inheritance that God gives us, and of the shield that he has. And it says, because of all this, we love him and we believe in him. And then there's this verse here, and I've got to go back to my King James roots says that we have a joy unspeakable and full of glory we live this life through all the pains and troubles and problems that we have because and because we are we have new birth because we have an inheritance because we have a shield god gets us through everything that we have to go through he gets us through not having to not needing to take not we don't want to take direction we want control he gets us through that because we trust him we start trusting him and, and, and allowing him to control he gets us through our need for eternity by promising a wonderful inheritance for us he gets through all the pain that we go through with the shield of faith that enables us to get through everything that we have and because of that We love Him, and because of that, we continue to believe in Him.